Welcome to the Activist Insight Podcast, which takes you through the top shareholder activism stories as told by Activist Insight Monthly. I'm Ilana DeRay, a financial reporter with Activist Insight. And this month, we're asking, will Sherborne investors convince Barclays shareholders that its CEO should join the bank's board? Why does Glasshouse Research think Natus Medical is overvalued? What is the secret behind Starboard value success? But first, a look at shareholder activism in South Korea. Our cover story explores whether there is a future for activism in the country. Awash with cash and deeply undervalued, companies in South Korea present attractive targets for activist investors. Data from Activist Insight Online shows activity in the region has increased significantly, with 12 companies publicly targeted in 2018, compared to just two the year before. In the past weeks, Elliott Management fought and lost its second-ever proxy contest in the country. Yet even with the increased activity, some local observers are still wary of welcoming foreign activists into the market. Joining us today is Activist Insight senior financial reporter Yuri Struda, who spoke to activists and advisors about the surge in activism for this month's cover story. Hi, Yuri. Welcome to the show. As I mentioned before, South Korea saw more companies publicly subjected to activist demands in 2018 than ever before. What is the Korea discount? And is this why there is so much activism in the country? Yeah, well, I can say that there is not a lot of shareholder activism in the country right now. But there has definitely been a notable increase in 2018, as you said. Uh, well, one Korean invest put it, you know, people are waking up right now. The valuation of the Korean stock market has been for years considerably lower than other countries. Dalton Investments, a U.S. Uh, investor active in Korea, reckoned uh, the whole Korean market was trading at a one trillion discount. And there are several reasons for that. First, it's uh, poor corporate governance uh, across the board. Founding families' power has been extraordinary and bigger than the power of shareholders. Uh, another reason is the circular shareholdings under which friendly companies own shares in each other, and this has helped cement founders' control. The financial reason uh, for the discount is the vast amount of cash that sits on companies' balance sheets. It's similar in a way to Japan. And uh, this drives the return on equity down, creating easy avenues for unlocking shareholder value, typically through dividends or share uh, share buybacks. And activist investors, they love that. But why now? What factors are combining to encourage activism at this point in time? Well, I think uh, the biggest factor is the uh, introduction of the stewardship code. Uh, This code was introduced in 2016, and uh, crucially, it was adopted by the National Pension Service in 2018. The code is basically a set of principles that guide shareholders uh, on how to engage with companies. But in practice, the power of the National Pension Service is and will remain substantial. As I pointed out in the article, the NPS owns a large stake in every South Korean company, and many domestic shareholders follow its lead. 
for an activist, gaining the support of the NPS is crucial in most cases. Uh, at the same time, foreign shareholders, which are more independent from the National Pension Service, have been increasing their ownership. Perhaps this uh, encourages uh, more activism in the country. Are all Koreans happy with the rise in activism? Is there a difference in reception to locally based and foreign activists? Well, this is an interesting question, and uh, the response to it, I think, is yes and no. Uh, what people are telling me is that the kind of activism proffered by such funds, such as uh, Korea Corporate Governance Improvement at Hanjin Kao, uh, which is the majority shareholder in Korean Air, uh, is encouraged. This type of activism uh, is liked by, uh, by Koreans. There is almost an unanimous view that Hanjin management is a shareholder value destroyer and needs to be held accountable. Uh, even the National Pension Service voted against the reappointment of CEO Cho Yang-ho to the board of Korean Air. On the other hand, the kind of activism driven by Elliott management at Hyundai is not very welcome. Uh, at least for now, because many consider it a bit too aggressive. For instance, the dividend proposal of $6 billion at uh, Hyundai Mobis and the Hyundai Motor combined uh, was deemed way too high by domestic shareholders. But in bottom line, uh, Korea is not yet prepared for the kind of aggressive activism that we see in the U.S. But it's likely that we will see more activism of the kind we see now in Europe and Japan. Do activists have a strong track record in South Korea? Have they been successful in their demands? I think it is too early to talk of a track record, given that you can count the activists in the country on one hand. Elliot failed at Hyundai, and uh, Korea corporate governance improvement was hampered by a civil court to nominate directors at Hanjin Kao. Uh, in most cases, progress is gradual. For instance, a portfolio manager at domestic fund, KB Asset Management, told me that four of the five companies he targeted implemented at least some of his demands, which were mostly for dividends and buybacks. Thanks for being here, Yuri, for our next report. Jeff Smith, the founder and CEO of activist hedge fund Starboard Value, was once known as the most feared man in corporate America. Now, his brand of activism is being welcomed into many boardrooms. In February, Starboard was invited to invest in pizza chain Papa John's International to broker an end to its conflict with founder and former CEO John Schnatter. Smith described the project as fun in a recent television appearance. Yet not all boards are so welcoming. That same month, Bristol-Myers Squibb announced that Starboard had nominated directors for election to the board before the hedge fund even disclosed its investment, likely an attempt to burn the activist before it was ready to commit. Starboard has since tried all it can to stop the pharmaceutical company from acquiring Celgene, yet it recently abandoned the campaign. In the first few months of 2019, Starboard made public demands at seven companies, including three large-cap firms, Bristol-Myers, eBay, and Dollar Tree. This is the first time it has targeted that many in a single year. Aisha Mastagni, 
a portfolio manager at the California State Teachers Retirement System, told Atlas Insight Monthly that Starboard is a good stock picker. They are, quote, able to recognize those companies that are currently undervalued, and they can also act as a catalyst to extract that value, she said. CalSTRS has around $200 million invested with the activist. Starboard, which often pushes for board representation, made its biggest waves in the activism community with its 2014 proxy contest at Darden Restaurants. The hedge fund became the first activist to gain full control of an S&P 500 board. With just under $6 billion in assets under management, Starboard is disciplined in its approach. It mostly targets companies with less than $10 billion in market cap. One banker told Activist Insight Monthly that Starboard should moderate its approach for larger companies. 2019 will likely give an indication of whether it is willing to do so and whether it will pay off. Regardless, the activist made a respective name for itself in recent years, gaining over 100 board seats since 2013. Ed Bramson of Sherborne Investors is demanding a seat on the Barclays board as he fights with CEO Jess Staley over the best strategy for the struggling bank. The New York-based activist expressed concerns over Barclays' performance and first disclosed a 5% stake in March of last year. The activist wants Barclays to slim down its investment banking unit and rely more heavily on the traditional consumer business in an effort to boost returns. However, Staley is confident in his turnaround plan, which includes an expansion of the very business Sherborne hopes to trim. The bank's stock has plummeted 30% since Sherborne first disclosed its holding more than a year ago, and large stakeholders like Aviva Investors and Tiger Global Management have already expressed dissatisfaction by trimming their stakes. Most investors are glad Sherborne is putting pressure on the bank to improve performance. Yet many believe granting Bramson a seat on the board is going a step too far. An advisor told Activist Insight Monthly that investors are concerned Sherborne has failed to adequately express its strategy for the bank. Aviva, although dissatisfied with Barclays, already committed to supporting management. Barclays has already implemented various changes in the hopes of appeasing shareholders and gaining their votes in the proxy fight. The firm hired Rothschild veteran Nigel Higgins, to replace John McFarlane as chairman at the annual meeting. Higgins will also become chairman of the investment bank. Additionally, Barclays refreshed its board with the resignation of three directors and committed to repurchasing shares and increasing its dividend for the first time since 2015. Moreover, the head of its investment bank retired after Barclays announced a restructuring of the unit. Statera Partners co-founder Michael Henson told Activist Insight Monthly that core shareholders may use Bramson's battle as a vehicle to safely express discontent, adding that Barclays probably refreshed its board as a defensive maneuver. He said this, quote, serves as a cautionary tale about the perils of waiting until a contested election to consult with investors about board composition and director succession. But Sherborne has not given up hope. The activist believes Barclays' low valuation and lack of success in turning around the investment bank may result in the board becoming increasingly receptive to the need for change. Infant diagnostics company Natus Medical is having a hard time catching a break. 
nearly a year after the firm lost a proxy contest to Voce Capital Management, short-seller Glasshouse Research revealed its negative thesis about the firm. Glasshouse accused management of intentionally not writing off obsolete inventory to boost margins, adding that executives would then classify inventory as other assets on the balance sheet to muddy inventory metrics. Natus did not respond to a request for comment from Activist Insight Monthly. News of the short position came after Voce sparked a leadership transition in Natus. The firm also announced plans to exit its non-core businesses and consolidate its remaining units as part of a strategic shift. Yet Glasshouse puts the blame on former CEO James Hawkins and his replacement Jonathan Kennedy, who was previously chief financial officer. The short seller also cites past business failures, connected to Kennedy and new CFO Benjamin Davies. Moreover, Glasshouse claimed that Natus's bad debt reserves and its prepaid expense accounts have been depleted or manipulated over the last year to artificially increase earnings per share. The short seller predicted that, quote, this will reverse violently in 2019. Glasshouse said other red flags include lowered guidance, impairments, write-offs, restatements, and fines from the Securities and Exchange Commission. It said the company must deal with these major accounting concerns this year. The short seller provided two options for Natus going forward. One, maintain price points on products, which can lead to decreased sales and even more buildup of inventory. Or two, discount products to sell inventory and reduce warehouse and transporting costs. Shares in Natus dropped nearly 22% and closed at $25.80 on March 26th. Glasshouse told Activist Insight Monthly that its $10 target price remains unchanged, noting that Natus's SEC issues continue, as does shareholder concerns of, quote, future impairments of inventories and the lack of organic growth. And now for a couple of stories that didn't make it into the magazine. Legion Partners Asset Management, Macellum Advisors, and Ancora Advisors aim to replace the entire 12-person board of Bed Bath & Beyond. The shareholder group, which collectively owns 5% of the company's shares, advanced a 16-person slate for election to the company's board at its upcoming annual meeting. The activists claim Bed Bath & Beyond failed to adapt to a change in consumer tastes, noting that its costs have increased, resulting in lower margins. The trio also argued that the retailer should sell non-core brands like Bye Bye Baby and Cost Plus World Market in order to better focus on other businesses. In addition, the group wants to replace CEO Stephen Tamaris and better align executive pay with shareholder returns. In response, Bed Bath & Beyond said it is, quote, ahead of plan on its financial goals, noting that it already appointed new directors. The New Jersey-based firm also said it was making significant progress on its transformation, adding that the results would, quote, become even more visible later in the year. Bed Bath & Beyond criticized the shareholder group for failing to provide suggestions and ideas for improving the company's business. However, a source familiar with the matter told Activist Insight Online that the group will lay out its operational plan for the firm in the coming weeks. In July, Activist Insight Vulnerability provided an update to its Bed Bath & Beyond report from 2017, predicting the case for an activist was, quote, more compelling than ever. Elsewhere in the news, Carl Icahn may enter into a partnership with billionaire Tillman Fertitta, 
to bid for the casino operator Caesars Entertainment. The veteran activist investor settled with Caesars last month to replace three members of the board. The 18% shareholder will also have the right to appoint a fourth director should a new CEO not be agreed on by April 15th. Fertitta is the owner of the Houston Rockets basketball franchise and Golden Nugget Casino. He already made an offer for Caesars in November, but was rejected by management. Since then, the casino manager has been seeking cash partners in an attempt to improve his bid. Meanwhile, Caesars is reportedly allowing El Dorado Resorts to conduct due diligence as part of talks over a potential merger. El Dorado has not yet made a formal bid, but was given access to some confidential information. Icon believes Caesars should stop wasting money on corporate excesses and focus on its American operations rather than expand into Asia. That's all for this month's episode of the Activist Insight Podcast. If you like what you hear or want to read more, you can subscribe to Activist Insight Monthly by emailing subscriptions at activistinsight.com. For comments or questions about the podcast, or if you want something discussed on a future episode, please email press at activistinsight.com. Please do rate and review the podcast on whichever platform you are using to help others access our reporting. I'm Ilana Duray. Thanks for listening.